from the studios at WFAN. This is Mike Zahn, Francesa on the fan on this 23rd day of January. Uh, after the Yankees uh, get two players into the Hall of Fame as Marion Rivera and Mike Messina both make it. And uh, who better to chat with than Joe Girardi about the two Yankee hurlers who uh, will find their way to Scooperstown. Joe, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Thank you. You know, does it... Is it, do you take a sense of, not authorship, but do you take a sense of pride to have been connected to these guys? Oh, I, yes, I do, of course. Um, obviously, having a chance to, to play with Mo and, and catch him when he kind of burst on the scene in 1996 was extremely enjoyable for me. And then finishing up being able to manage, as I call him in, in the interview I did, with him, probably as close to a perfect player as you could have uh, was great. And then to see Mike Messina, how he continually just competed and competed and competed and worked and, and, and just mastered his craft pitching in the American League East. 270 wins, uh, that's amazing. And in this day and age, it's really amazing. 20 wins in his last year, of course. Uh, you know, that one was, I don't know if it was borderline, but what, but he had a very, I mean, really a terrific career. Messina was always probably the other guy in the league. You know, he was never what I remember being the top, you know, behind Pedro Martinez, behind whoever, but he was always good every single season. Yeah, I always felt like he was, a, a you know, maybe a 1B. He was a 1. It just, you know, you had other Hall of Famers that were also performing at a very high level, but um, he was he was a joy to manage. I never worried about Mike. I always knew he was prepared. I think the young players could learn a lot from him about the way he went about his business and how he prepared for each start and did his own homework on how to get hitters out because I think he understood his stuff better than any of us. And, uh, you know, he is more than deserving. I mean, he was a one for a long time in that league. He just was in a very good division. Uh, how about Mariano? Now, you come at Mariano from a couple of different perspectives. You were there when he kind of became who he was. You were there and managed him for a long time. You had both perspectives um, the development and then the maturity, the maturation of this pitcher into this iconic figure that he's become. How would you, how would you describe it? How would you explain what from the beginning through right, right through those last years? Well, I think from the beginning he burst onto the scene and was a dominant pitcher, like he was all the way throughout. But I think the maturation was in his leadership skills and how he took control of a bullpen and continued to help player after player after player develop, you know, helping David Robertson become a closer, knowing that he would possibly turn it over to him and and so many other players. And that was the maturation you saw at Mo. And, you know, when I think about Mo, I think he knew his body as well as any other player. And there was never any wasted throws. He would get ready with eight pitches in the bullpen, sometimes as, as little as five, and then go finish his other eight. And he was so efficient on the mound that he was so it allowed him to be extremely durable. And I think that's the other thing is I think Mo was a tremendous self evaluator. He learned how to to warm up in the bullpen. He knew how to evaluate when he was ready, probably better than anyone I had ever been around. And never worried about oh, what do I got in the bullpen today? I, you know, I'm have to throw four more curveballs because I don't feel comfortable. He just he was ready to go, Joe. A big thing about Rivera, when he came on and and was setting up in 96, he was unbelievable. I mean, the Yankees didn't know what he had in 95. If they did, they would never have lost that series, uh, obviously. In 96, he becomes this electric guy uh, setting up. He probably was never better than he was that year. Struck out everybody. 
when he became the closer, he decided somewhere early on, I don't have to strike everybody out. It's better if I don't. Was that something he came up with, or was that something someone in the organization came up with? No, he talked to – it was Mel. Mel had him go down instructional after the 96 season to say, look, we want you to become more efficient. And, you know, you have tremendous control, and you can get hitters out in two and three pitches and not have to strike everybody out. And Mel said he went for down for a week um, in spring training, and and worked on it with Mel, and then it was forever into the rest of his career. I mean, he very seldom ever got long at bats. And, you know, Mo wasn't a guy that had to strike you out. He was, he was very pleased with weak contact and broken bats, and that's how he was so efficient. I mean, the coolness, clearly, oh, never, yeah. never, never got upset. Ne- no, no spot was too big. If he did fail, you never saw anything when he did fail, uh, which was rare. And, you know, you talk about guys having a repeatable, you know, you talk about quarterbacks having a repeatable motion, and you talk about golfers having a repeatable swing. He had this repeatable pitch. Not many guys can do that. I don't know what it takes to do that. What, what can you explain from a guy who caught him? What makes it that he – how was he able to come up with this repeatable pitch? Well, I think he was a great athlete, number one. And number two, I think he had a slow heartbeat. Situations didn't become too big for him to where his body would speed up or you know, maybe his leg kick would speed up. And there was, there, was, there was never any of that. And the other thing that he was so good at was keeping runners off base. So he really never had to change a whole lot. He never had to be quicker. Um, you know, and I know that he gave up some stolen bases, but he was, so, he was so good at not allowing base runners to get on, never walking anyone, that he could just stay with the same delivery all the time. And, and I think so much of it is it was the slow heartbeat um, that he, he never, no situation was ever too big for Mo. From, from the beginning, it was never too. I mean, you think about what he did in the World Series in 1996 and the amount of innings that he provided in, in that playoff run that it wasn't too big for him and he was dominant. We're talking with Joe uh, Girardi, of course, uh, as Messina and Mariano. Uh, getting to the Hall of Fame. Uh, obviously, two guys from the same team. You know, that's the first time in a long time that's happened. First since Mickey and Whitey, as a matter of fact. Uh, so a long time ago for, for that standpoint. So it's a proud day for the Yankees. You, you were someone who battled against the other guys. Edgar Martinez. Now, Edgar, 11 for 19. I yeah. looked it up yesterday. I remember he killed Mariano. I came up with a couple of guys who did. Scudero, he had good numbers. Uh, uh, Rafael Palmaro, but nobody like Edgar. 11 for 19, two homers. So he goes in with Mariano, the one guy who clubbed him, and then Halliday. How about those two as guys you competed against? Well, when I think of Edgar, he was an impossible out because he covered both sides of the plate, um, and he never overswung, and he was really consistent in his mechanics, never got out front. He was just really difficult to get out. Um, there wasn't one way that you could pitch him. He was an RBI machine. Thank God he wasn't real fast or he really would have been a problem. Um, but I mean, he was as good as hitter during that course of that time period as anyone in baseball. I mean, if you had a runner on second, that was the guy you wanted up. And I, and I think that's quite a tribute to a player when you can say that that's the guy who won up when the game's on the line. And he and never seemed it, like he was off balance as a hitter ever. No, you know, he, he no. was always, he always seemed to be so level in that batter's box. And you got to give, you got to give uh, the Mariners a lot of credit turning him into a DH. Cause you know, sometimes you don't want to turn players into a DH, but I really believe that's when his career's 
took off and he stayed healthy. Yep. And it was it was it was a really good move. And Lou was the manager at that time. And then when you look at Roy Holiday, I mean, to me, he was a lot like Greg Maddox. It was precision. It was location, location, location. Two pitches looking exactly alike, and at the end, going different directions, changing speeds. Um, and this was a guy that was successful and then failed and went back and figured it out in A-ball. I mean, you got to give this guy a lot of credit because he had been in the big leagues and went back to A-ball and figured it out, and then he was just as dominant as any starter. And I can tell you from a manager, I never wanted to see him because I felt like, okay, we're going to have a real hard time winning today. And he was one of the few pitchers that you would say that against Pedro was another, that we're going to have a hard time beating this guy today. It just seemed like we always ran into Doc Holliday. You know, you face him 19 times a year. We got him every series, and we beat him maybe once out of six games. You know, you managed Machine to one year. He has his 120-game season, pitched brilliantly. I mean, he always pitched well, but he pitched brilliantly that season. What Did you kind of leave him alone as a first-year manager with the Yankees? Did you guys have, what? How would you explain your relationship that year? I felt that I had to let Mike Messina know that I had – that I believed in him and I gave him a, a, a lot of um, leeway in determining what was best for him because I figured this guy knows what he needs and he'd been in the rotation out of the rotation the year before. So I had to show that I trusted him. And that was my main goal with Mike Messina that, look, I believe in you. You're my starter and, and go do your thing. Um, are you going to maybe get into the eighth inning every night? No, because you're older and I want to make sure that you can physically go. But I just, believed that I had to show a lot of faith and trust in him, and I let him go. When you got Mariano, he was already a, uh, you know, a baseball superstar. Um, how about the way you handled him? Was it, uh, was it the way, was he handled, did you handle him the same way he was handled previously to you? How about, how about anything, yeah. any rules? What, uh, how about you and Mariano when you got together? Well, I, you didn't need any rules. He knew exactly what he needed to do to be ready. He knew what he needed to do in spring training, and I trusted it. It had worked for him, so there was no reason to say that. Well, no, you have to change. You know, I believe that that it's not going to work. There's, there weren't really. He was always prepared. He was on time every day. He did his work. He, you know, ran all over the outfield. Always in shape, right? Always in yeah. shape. The only thing is, he wanted I mean, to play the outfield all the time, right? He wanted to go. In, he wanted to get in the games, right? Well, I, I gave him a hard time in that interview because, you know, he busted my chops for years. And I About gave getting him in the game, opp- right? Yeah. I gave him that opportunity that last week in Houston, and he, he just felt like he didn't want to make a mockery of the game because he figured he couldn't cover the same ground he used to cover, so, and that he was afraid that, you know, he might miss a ball. But I was like, you know, you gave me a hard time for like six or seven years, and now you don't want to do it? So, but, I mean, it's I just let him be. I mean, you know, there are certain players, and those are the, the players that are really easy to manage that you never have to worry about. Never had to worry about Derek Cheater. Just he, he was prepared. Never had to worry about, you know, Jorge and Andy and Alex. They were always prepared to play. And you never worried about, you know, do they know who we're facing today, you know, what their approach is going to be. You just let them go. You know, I never tried to get, talking with Joe Girardi about the two Yankees getting in the Hall of Fame, Yusina and, and Mariano. I never tried to get into judging guys because we all know there's been some guys who haven't been neighbors, uh, nature's noblemen who are great players. I mean, we all know that. So yeah. there's some guys, and they just had great talent. And they, but do you? I always got the idea that Mariano, who was genu- was genuinely a very good guy, 
a very spiritual guy. I mean, every time you talk to him, I did an interview with him. He always he always brought that up. He was very open about that. I actually thought that helped him. Now, maybe every player is not the same. Maybe it doesn't help every player. I did think that probably helped him. Did you think that? Oh, I, I think so. I, you know, if maybe it gave him a calmness the- or a peace or whatever he had there because he always seemed to be at peace. Was always at peace, and I think his faith had a lot to do with it. I mean, here's a guy that didn't sign until he was 20 years old, and you know, he talked about the, the the fishing stories, and he talked about the calmness in his father when their boat was sinking one day, and they had to get in a raft. And I'm thinking, well, well, I, I figured out where you learned it from. You learned it from <laughs> your father. But I'm thinking, if I'm in a fishing boat and it's sinking, I'm a little nervous. But um, he just he just had that ability. I mean, he was confident in who he was. He was confident in his ability. But he was also confident in who he was as a man and um, what his job was, you know, in this world. It wasn't just to be a baseball player. It was to be a guy that helped others and gave back to his community. And, and you know, maybe one of the, the highest compliments I heard the other day, a, a gentleman came up to me and says, you know, I just find it so odd. Mariano Rivera was like the only Yankee I could never dislike, you know, just right. and, and coming from a Red Sox fan, that just tells you the type of person that Mo was. And I think people appreciated how he went about his business. He never showed anyone up. No, he's always humble. I mean, always yeah. quiet, humble, the whole thing. And, you know, you don't see everybody be that way, of course. But, I mean, he really seemed like it was something very real. And he was, although he was, I don't know if he was behind the scenes, was he kind of a leader with the other players? Or was he was he definitely a leader? Or did he stay away from that stuff? <laughs> no, no, he was a leader. He um, was? Def, definitely a leader, and he was a, a leader in the clubhouse. He was a leader in the bullpen, and maybe part of my, you know, you think about parts of the day that used to make you laugh. You know, when I was a manager, I used to think about, you know, Cano and Milky sitting around Alex, and you could hear them laughing all the way from the lunchroom. Alex being silly and making everybody laugh. Then I think about Mo going into Robbie Kakuza's office and just needling him, you know, about all kinds of things about faith and politics and, and hearing Robbie get, you know, start to raise his voice and, and Mo would just be sitting on the couch. And uh, I mean, everyone wanted to be around Mo because there was, there was, he was genuine and he was relaxed all the time and he was funny. Well, it's got to make you proud to manage guys, haven't managed guys like that. I mean, I know it's about winning and you did that too, but it's got to be nice when you watch these guys getting into the hall of fame. Well, I feel fortunate that I was on the same field as these guys and I was able to compete against these guys. And these are going be guys that you tell your grandkids about. You know, fortunately, my son got and my kids got to see a little bit. But um, and, you know, they got to to know the Rivera's because we live basically in, you know, the same area. But um, how old is just, he now, your son? Uh, he is a junior in high school, so he's and and, and 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 you know because every day I can tell the people this when I would do my show from the stadium, which I did a million times through the years before every big playoff game and before Red Sox games and Met games and everything, Joe would be out there with his son. I remember when he was four, when he was five, <laughs> when he was six, when he was seven. I'd watch you guys when I was up in the box doing the show, and, you guys, and you'd be out there with him for a long time every day. So from when he was up to your knee, you were out there with yeah. him. So yeah. has he – and the only other player that I remember this about was Cecil Fielder with Big Daddy. He was out there yeah. with his kid a lot during the 90s, and I watched this kid walk hitting the ball left-handed into the seats when he was like 12 years old. Uh, your son was always a very good-looking player. Is he a baseball player? Yes, he is. Yes, and he's going to play in college, and he's committed to – to FIU and and it's fun. Um, I've I've got to spend a lot. What of What position does he play? 
he's a shortstop. Okay. He's smarter than I was. He's more athletic. <laughs> um, he's got more power. But, you know, it was weird because, you know, we started in the outfield grass, and he yep. didn't want to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And yeah, he, he used to want to hit it over the fence. I, could, I used to watch that every day. Yeah, yeah. And we kept moving in. Now he has to go back to the plate. And you just you see the transformation. And I have to have an L screen now. I'm like, there's no way I'm ever throwing to you without an L screen again. You'll, you'll kill me. But it's 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 enjoyable to watch and be a part of it. You know, I watched Cecil Fielder when he used to do it. And it was it was his kid. It was Prince yeah. Fielder who, look what he became. He, you know, he became this big slugger. And I watched him. He was like 12 years old. He was a big kid at the time. But he was pounding the ball during those, in those 90s when he was on the team. And the only other yeah. guy I remember that was your son being out there. I mean, every single day you were out there doing that. So yeah, that must, you must be very proud of that. Yes, I am. But you're absolutely – Prince was a slugger at 12 years old. Yeah, he was. was He's amazing. amazing. He, yeah. Yeah. And he was hitting the mountain in Anaheim. And, and that's not easy. It wasn't just like he was in Yankee Stadium. He was in Anaheim hitting the mountain when he was 13 years old. And I think we were all were in a little bit of awe of a boy that age doing that. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much, Joe. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. All right. My all pleasure. Right. Joe Girardi, back after this. 